0: Hello and welcome to Reasonably Fit. We're Jason and Lauren Pack, and this is the podcast for anyone who wants a more thoughtful and grounded approach to health and fitness.
1: Today's episode is an interview we did for the Prehab podcast, where we discuss strategies to make fitness approachable for everyone, tips to take care of yourself during hectic times or busy schedules, things to think about when posting to social media as a health and fitness professional, and how we handle working together as a married couple. We had so much fun being on the other side of podcasting as the guests rather than the hosts, and we hope you enjoy listening to this episode.
2: havers, welcome back to the show. Have you ever been told not to do a particular activity or that fitness or a specific sport is not for you? I remember growing up and we always had to do the preseason physicals to be cleared to play a particular sport. For me, it was the routine of the provider saying, oh, wow, you're playing football. Aren't you a little too thin for football? As discouraging as that was, I'll admit it did help to light the fire a bit. And among other reasons for playing besides just loving the game was to show them not to judge and not to brag or or indulge in this by any means. But to demonstrate this point further, I went on to set our high school receiving record for total yards in a season and received the hammer award for the hardest hit in a game three times that season. Just to show people that you, you cannot judge what you can or cannot do. Sadly, this message of negativity and judgment is dominating in fitness instead of being welcoming, compassionate, and supportive. The industry tends to be very judgmental and at times pushes people away from even starting. Luckily, there are outliers in that industry that are using more of a welcoming approach. Two of these leaders, Jason and Lauren Pack, are joining us today on the show, and we couldn't be more excited to pick their brains and learn from them. Jason and Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you Thanks so for much
0: having for having us. us. <laughs> what, what a great intro. <laughs> well,
2: we, we are excited to, to <laughs> like have you guys great. on. And we were talking before the recording. It's been just an honor to watch your guys' journey from uh, how much you've worked in the fitness industry, both from at one point having a very successful gym and treating a community to now switching to an online platform and the way that you guys are helping people to level up. But whether it was the in-person gym, whether it was the online business, the vision it, it has stayed the same. That your guys' approach to, to fitness is making it welcome and getting people to understand this message of compassion and that we want people to get into fitness and we want to break down some of these barriers. So I think a good place to start is what led you guys to that mission?
1: So, I mean, it really did come over time with working with people in real life. I think that being face-to-face with real clients and hearing their stories and hearing the way that they would speak negatively about themselves because of the messaging that was out there in regards to fitness, when we saw so much more in them than they were seeing in themselves, right? Like we, they would come in and they would start getting stronger and they would be moving better and in less pain and all these great things were happening. And then they would go walk over to the scale And tears would well up in their eyes and they would lose all the joy of what they were experiencing from this just great fitness journey that they were on because they didn't feel like they looked the part or they didn't feel like they stacked up in terms of what looking fit or being fit has been portrayed. And so those experiences over and over and over again really just... Made us want to change the way that fitness is being talked about and being portrayed. And that was sort of the impetus behind trying to change the narrative around how people were speaking about fitness.
0: Yeah. When we were, we got into the field when we were 19 or 20, so really early on. And, you know, we would say, we would kind of like say the same things that were kind of out there on the internet and in magazines. And we would tell people to track their food. Count their calories if they wanted to go on these diets and like not prescribe meal plans, but like heavily guide them towards specific meals and stuff like that. And it just over the years, we just realized that it didn't work and it didn't resonate. And we'd be like, "Oh, if you're hungry, just have a snack of eight (laughs) almonds. That should hold you over for the next three hours." Like all this advice that was just so bogus at the time, but because we were so new to the to the field. We just listened to whatever the magazines and the blogs and articles at the time told us. And it wasn't until after training hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that we realized, okay, these extreme measures aren't working. They're not sustainable. They might be, people might adhere to it for, you know, two weeks, three weeks at a time, but eventually they're going to fall off it. So why don't we just start them on a more sustainable track to begin with, follow a more reasonable approach to fitness and see how that shakes out. And that's kind of what we basically uh, uh, cultivated our gym upon those sorts of principles, just having consistency and and sustainability be at the forefront rather than intensity and extreme measures and all that sort of stuff. And what ended up happening was people just had a much more fulfilling experience with their health and fitness journeys, and they would get better results because of it, because they were actually enjoying the process rather than trying to just cut calories and diminish themselves and lose weight at no, no matter the health cost. And so that's kind of how we just cultivate our approach, just working with people. in. Wow.
2: There's so many important points in there already like question one in the show. And and there's just a list of things that that we can go through. But I want to point out that the story that Lauren was sharing of person had an incredible fitness experience and they go to step on the scale, they see the numbers and, and they're in tears. And you know, I, I remember this one time I was, I was working in the clinic and this patient came in and after you work with people a few times, you start to recognize their behaviors. You know, are they ready to roll? Like they come in, they start warming up by themselves and then they're they're getting into the routine. Okay. Awesome. Versus they come in and they're just kind of waiting a little bit and they look stressed. They, they look burdened. So I went over and I was just like, Hey, what's, what's going on? You seem a little bit off today. Is there anything that you want to talk about? She had just come from a physical that she had with her primary care provider and the primary care provider, there is a new nurse, new, new provider that was working in the office. So it typically starts, you step on the scale, they take your height, they take your weight. They take your weight and the new provider looked at her and goes, well, it's looking like it's a bit heavy. And from your BMI category, it's a bit overweight. This provider had no idea that she spent the past five years losing over 70 pounds. And that little comment ruined the rest of her day. She started looking at herself differently. She started talking about herself negatively until we brought it back to the positive light of one, when we look at the information. And again, like great point Jason made of like, you start somewhere and sometimes the information that you're getting isn't the accurate information or it's not the complete story. We now know that BMIs are pretty terrible indicator of of your overall health status that, you know, if you look at someone that has a lot of muscle mass and they're a little bit shorter, they might be considered overweight or obese. It doesn't mean that they're unhealthy. It just means from that scale, it, it's just a poor scale to use for that. So we went through of all the things that she has taken right. care of, all the positive stuff that she has made, and come to find out that extra weight that had been put on was all from muscle. It wasn't from fat, which which previously would have been that. And, and another quick story with that, I had another guy that's a bit older, and he was told that, well, I want you to lose some weight because it's looking like you're a little bit too heavy on the scale. Well, he had gotten into a fitness program. He's two years now into putting on muscle. His pants are fitting different. His shirt is fitting different. He feels better. He loves himself more. His marriage has gotten better. He, all these things are moving in the right direction. And then he's told, oh, you have to lose weight. But no one said, huh, I wonder why you weigh more. Do your pants fit differently does your shirt fit differently right. and, and getting people back to to these things that are positive and that these are there are changes happening for for a good means and then the last point i want to bring out of that that jason you brought up which was was amazing is that so many times especially more towards the beginning of the year but really at any time people will go on these crash diets or 40-day challenges or i mean you name it people have heard it out there there's all these things that really people will do and change their their entire life and entire being where like their fitness is is the only thing that's at the forefront they're a miserable person they're cranky the eight almonds per day or is not cutting it they're overall having a poorer health status and what i love about your guys' approach is that it's not about making fitness your entire life it's making your life have some fitness in it so let's talk about that that approach and some actionable steps that people can take to really start using the right information and, and make their life have fitness in it instead of their life being all about fitness.
1: Yeah, that is one of our main principles is make fitness fit into your life, not take over your life. And we that again, really came about from working with people in so many different phases and so many different seasons of life. Because when we, like Jason said, when we started out, we were 19 years old and in college. And so for us, we're just expecting that everyone has pretty much All their hours of their day to dedicate (laughs) to working out or hanging out and being social and then you start working with people who are ceos or parents of multiple children or whatever people who have a lot more going on in their lives than a typical college student and you realize that you have to work with that person to figure out how to make fitness still fit into whatever is going on in their life right now and so we like to look at it as a puzzle your whole life is a puzzle and fitness is one piece of that puzzle. And for us, when we were 19 and in college, it was a huge piece of the puzzle. we were doing like a four piece puzzle, right? We had like fitness, uh, social life, school, and family. And those are like the four pieces we had to fit in, right? But then now we have a business, we have two kids, we have a lot of other responsibilities. So maybe we're working on a 50 piece puzzle. And fitness is still a piece of it, but it has to fit in a little bit differently. It might be a little bit smaller. We might not be working out seven days a week anymore, but that's okay. We still just wanna find a way to make it fit in. And so we think about, okay, what are what is our schedule? How many days of work, realistic, days a week, realistically, can we fit it in? And then we start to work from there.
0: Yeah, and for people, um, another sort of way we like to look at it is treating fitness like a dimmer switch. So instead of just turning a light switch on or off, depending on what's going on, you can either add when you need and subtract when you need. And that just helps to get the sustainability and consistency going because you don't want to just do five workouts a week for two weeks and then suddenly something happens, you get sick or you have to travel for work and then suddenly you, you don't have the skills to manage that and you stop working out and stop altogether for a few weeks and then you jump right back on. It's much better to just be able to slowly dim one way or the other, depending on what season of life you're in. And again, this comes back to where we've been working with people like, let's say, accountants, like we're entering into tax season. Accountants from January till basically the end of May, they're just completely swamped during tax season. So during that that time, maybe you want to drop down to one to two times a week. But then after that, you're kind of feeling a little bit better, maybe you ramp, ramp it back up to two, three, or even four times per week. And each person has their own sort of unique situation, depending on their job, depending on their lifestyle, so that it just feels way less pressureful. <laughs> I don't think that's a word, <laughs> way less pressure. Uh, to be able to just think to yourself, okay, I can just dim, turn the dimmer up or lower it down as opposed to being like, I have to stop or I have to really turn it on now because I have some extra time.
2: Uh, what I love about that is is a lot of times we're, we're getting advice and people are wondering, well, is it coming from people that have walked the walk? And watching your two's journey, it can absolutely say, yeah, 100%. You guys have a business. You have two beautiful children. You have a lot on your plate yet you're still making time for fitness and activities that you enjoy I, I look back at um you know the football intro and partly what inspired that was seeing your guys post of, of lauren just absolutely tearing it up in flag football i mean like <laughs> juking people out outrunning everybody on the field i'm watching that i'm like dang i hope there's a recruiter seeing this or like someone in, in like a flag football professional league because <laughs> she is crushing it and, and jason oh my gosh on some of these videos you'll be lifting 225 and I have to check and make sure it's 225 and not 135 because of how light it looks. But then also <laughs> the mobility that you have in the positions that you get into, it's just authentic mobility, authentic strength. And it's not easy. Like people look at it as like, well, you look at, you work in fitness, so it's easy to accomplish those things. But you guys have a full plate with two children that are both younger uh, business. There, there's a lot going on. So what strategies have you found to using that dimmer analogy to turn it up when you can, but then turning it down when you have to and and not beating yourself up if a session is potentially missed.
1: Mm, that's a really good question. And something that we had to do was, and we've had to, we continuously have to do this. Our children are four and one and a half. So the one and a half year old, within the first year and a half of a kid's life, they go through like a million sleep cycles. So we've had to just rearrange basically our workout schedule based on the way that she's sleeping. And so right now, what we're in, the phase that we're in is that we used to really enjoy lifting like in the middle of the day or in the morning. But what we've realized is with our schedule and with what's going on, the best time for us to work out to be consistent is to do it after we put the kids to bed. And it's not our favorite time of the night, of the day to work out. And it's not always perfect because sometimes one kid doesn't want to go to bed or, you know, things might come up, but it still is the most consistent time that we can do it. And it means that we need to eat dinner a little bit later than we might want to. It means that our pre-workout nutrition isn't perfect. It's like a snack of whatever we're feeding our kids for dinner. So it had to mean allowing ourselves to take away some of the perfect um, scenario pieces of working out so that we could do it consistently. And I think that that's something that can be really helpful is that if you are always looking for the perfect time or the perfect program or the perfect workout, it's it's not going to happen and things are going to come up and then you're going to feel like you're failing. So instead, removing as many barriers as you can and just setting the the like idea in your mind that if I get into the gym and get going, yeah. that's a success <laughs> in itself. And so that's sort of where we're at right now. And we've able we've been able to be more consistent because we've taken away a lot of those barriers.
0: Yeah, I feel like if you look on social media, it's like all these morning routines. It's like you wake up at five in the morning, then you work out, you meditate, you go into your cold plunge pool, and you have this whole, <laughs> you eat your acai bowl and all that. And you know, if we try to fit that into our life, it just wouldn't work. Otherwise the kids would just be running around as we were in our cold (laughs) plunge. And we realized that, okay, we have to work out at 8 PM. That's really the only time to do it because we have to work in the middle of the day and all that. And it's not ideal, but for right now in this current season of life for us, this is what needs to happen. And that's what is, is ideal for us in this particular situation. And so it's, the whole cliche of not chasing perfection, but just just chasing good enough and doing that consistently over a long period of time actually ends up being pretty perfect. Absolutely, (laughs) I I
2: heard this uh, analogy from a leadership conference a few years ago. And for all the perfectionists listening, remember this, write it down because it it is gonna be so helpful. It's gonna save you from all this unnecessary time and stress. But the term is called Gitmo. It's G-E-T-M-O and it stands for good enough to move on. Like you said, we don't need perfection. We just mm-hmm. need to get something in and and, and that's okay. I, I also love the thought that it's it's purpose that creates progress and the progress can create perfection, not looking for the perfect exercise, the perfect meal, the, the perfect plan for the day, but really just getting started. And and that's the hardest part that I think people have is is just that fear of getting started because they're intimidated, like from that routine that that Jason was just just sharing of you know, wake up, cold plunge, meditate, acai bowl, do this workout, then do mobility. Don't forget to do diaphragmatic breathing and then do a strength session, but then you miss power and then do cardio later on in the day. And it's like, okay, I have 15 to 30 minutes. That that must mean that I can't do this because I don't have enough time in the day for this. And it's really finding those little sections in, in the day. Like when, when we created our app and put our rehab programs on there, we made it very purposeful that the routines are 10 to 20 minutes, knowing that for people to be consistent, this is what's realistic nowadays. And people will go, well, is that enough time? Yes, you just need to be precise with your exercise selection and and what you're trying to accomplish with that particular program. So I'm going to kind of switch gears here a little bit because alongside of you guys doing phenomenal work to help people get into exercise and taking those first few steps into getting into fitness, you also do a lot of work for people that are interested in posting on social media, whether it's fitness influencers or maybe people just want to use this as part of their business plan to just help get the word out. And you guys have this course online that teaches people, well, how do you go about this? Because I'm I'm sure when you're 19 years old and starting off, you guys were posting and there's a lot of mistakes made and then you realized wow, if we didn't make those mistakes or if we had more of a plan, this could have been way more efficient and we could have gotten to where we wanted to get a little bit sooner. And you offer that online. And I think it's a phenomenal course because there's so much, I guess, misinformation or uh, beliefs that that just aren't true when it comes to social media. So if you guys don't mind, would you mind sharing maybe what are some of these mistakes you made early on and and any advice that you have for people that are like, I want to start posting on social media. It's going to help out for me to get more clients and, and any approach that that you may advise someone with that.
0: Yeah, one of the bigger mistakes I feel like people make is that they get caught up in the minutiae and they have this sort of paralysis by analysis. It's like, they start to think about, okay, what hashtags do I need to use? What is the perfect ideal time to post during the day to get the most engagement? And they have all these different like factors running around in their minds that are preventing them from posting. And really the only way to figure out a lot of this information is by posting consistently. And initially those posts aren't gonna be that great but it's really important to just get your reps in. Like if you're a basketball player, you gotta get your jump shots in if you're if you are gonna get better. So you just have to continue to film yourself, take pictures, take videos kind of repeatedly, consistently, and eventually those things will start to improve. But I feel like people get so caught up like, oh, what camera do you use? Do you have a, do you have a posting app to post your stuff for you? Like all these different questions that ultimately don't really matter in the long run. You just need to start posting and a lot of that stuff will start to come to fruition. The other thing that I think uh, a lot of people do is they post with the intent to monetize right away. And we didn't even attempt to monetize our platform until I think four or five, we had like 500,000 followers. We had like, it it took like four or five years before we even put a product out there. Because first of all, we were a little bit nervous to even put something (laughs) out there. It's like, I don't know, for for us putting out free content was way more comfortable than putting out a, a paid piece of content but I feel like people jump the gun where they're like, okay, I put out three posts. People seem to like it. Here's my program. Here's my app. Here's my course. And I think as soon as you do that, you just sort of, I don't know, you just create this sort of friction between you and the audience. You, you want to be in a position where you're just giving so much value, so much information. And then over the years, what ends up happening is you start to realize what your audience wants from you and you you start to realize, oh, they kind of like my mobility content or they kind of like my bodybuilding content or whatever. And then you can kind of tailor your approach based upon what the audience is giving you rather than just kind of thinking after a couple of posts what they want because usually those things don't tend to line up. Usually you kind of have to ebb and flow and react to what the audience is giving you and that kind of leads to what you should offer down the line. But I feel like just people end up trying to monetize too quickly.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I, I love the point you put in there uh, at this past combined sections meeting at the APTA. Uh, Mike from our team was giving a presentation on social media and how to use it. And the biggest takeaway was provide value. There, there's so many people that are posting every day, especially in fitness and the rehab space. There, there's a ton of things being posted. So if you're posting something, what value are you providing to people? Like why Why do they want to look at your page and go, I'm excited to see what they post today because I'm not getting this content elsewhere. And how do you start to kind of set yourself apart a little bit? But I love that analogy of, no, you, you need to start getting some reps in. If, if you want a good jump shot, you got to start getting to the basketball court. You got to get a basketball in your hands. You got to take some shots too, in order to improve that, that jump shot. So awesome, awesome point there. Is there any mistakes you guys made early on yeah. that you right. look back now? And I, I know for me, when I first started hosting the podcast and, and I, I hope people don't do this, they might do this, but I do this. I listen back to the first two that I hosted and I just kind of laugh at myself because I was mm-hmm. like so nervous and you can hear the voice differences and then you like, listen to it now. And it's cool to look back and go, wow. Okay. At the time that was my my best effort, but now I have more reps in, I've become more skilled in it that it's like easier for me to listen to myself now. It's never easy to listen to yourself, but it's easier to listen to yourself <laughs> now Um, Do you guys have any experiences like that with, with posting on social?
1: One of my favorite videos of us (laughs) is from like six or seven years ago, maybe even more. And we were in the gym and we decided, this was when we first decided to start putting out content around fitness in general. So before our, our social media page was achieve fitness Boston, it was just about our gym. And we were just posting content about what was going on in the gym. We'd post videos of people working out, but like, That was cool for the people who were members for like the 300 people who were members of our gym, but not really resonating with anyone else. Right. So we kind of made the decision that we would love to see what could happen. We have so much experience. Let's start to put some of that out on social media. But then we realized like that means we have to speak on camera and we were not comfortable with that yet. And so we have one of our first like things that we did. We called it fit tip Tuesday and we're like standing against a blank wall. And our our camera's like way below us, like looking up at our chins. And we're like, Jason's standing in the most awkward position he's ever stood in before. He looks so uncomfortable. And we took so long to get to the point. We were like, welcome to Fit Tip Tuesdays. This is Lauren Pack. This is Jason Pack. We're the owners of Achieve Fitness. And we took so long that at this point, like people would have scrolled by the time, you know, we said hi, my name is like, you have to get right to the point. You have to be comfortable kind of just going out, putting yourself out there and just getting right into it. Um, so I think the biggest mistake was, well, I wouldn't even call it mistake, just learning experience. Yeah, Yeah. Growing pains was just having to go through those awkward moments and having to look back at yourself and be like, yeah, this is a little weird, a little awkward, a little hard to get through. And how can we make it a little bit better? And like Jason said, the only way is to just keep getting the reps in.
0: Yeah, I think something else that we did was we initially we try to put out a lot of content out there that would impress our peers or would try to impress our peers and we'd show them what we knew. We would talk about PRI tactics and FRC and like just like things that were very nuanced and very particular to our field. And we're like, wait a minute, we're talking to just the average everyday person who just needs to have a little bit more movement in their lives, needs a couple of mobility drills to help them reach overhead or squat down deeper, they don't need all this fancy stuff. And at the end of the day, we're like, okay, this is more for our ego rather than trying to actually help the person on the other side. So it's like, okay, let's let's remove like the fear that our peers might think that we don't know what we're doing and just... Really simplify our message, not dumb it down, but just really simplify it and not have to give all these disclaimers of like, this is what this person shouldn't do this and this person shouldn't do that. Just like, just give the bite sized piece of information that is necessary, add some more context in the caption and leave it at that. You don't have to boil the ocean with every single post. Not every post has to be a complete encyclopedia to training. It can just be when you wake up in the morning, here are two stretches that might be helpful. And it's just like that really sort of switched things up for us and just made our content so much more approachable and relatable. And lo and behold, our members would be like, oh, I saw that post. That was actually really helpful. It's like, I don't have to be lying on my back with my feet up on a wall, blowing up a balloon. You know, it's like, Nothing gets me right. I love P.R.I., but just it, you know, just it just made more sense. Absolutely, and
2: I think the the reality of of this question of well, what is an expert? What is an expert in the fitness industry? What's an expert in the rehab industry? It's someone that knows the material so well that they can bring it to a simplified manner and, and reach a wider population by simplifying it. I remember when I was an undergrad taking physics, our general physics professor was the head of the department was on the Nobel Prize team for something in astrophysics. He could not dumb it down to the level of physics that we were at. It, that course was extremely <laughs> challenging. And I'm like, okay, he's an expert in the sense of he got, was on this team for the Nobel Prize. But to really know this stuff means that you can take it to that top level, but you can bring it all the way back to the fundamentals again and be able to deliver that in a concise way for the person on the, other rece- or the, person on the receiving end to be able to understand that. I love that you guys brought up growing pains. And I love that you guys have done everything together. You've started a family together. You started a business together. You've worked together since 19 years old. The, the question I have with that is with the growing pains of working with your spouse. Like we we have team members that work with their spouse. I was talking with one of my friends who is considering opening up his own clinic with, with his wife and he's you know trying to figure that out my fiance is going to start to come work with me soon. So we're in that transition of figuring out how does, how does this relationship work? So what advice do you have for people out there that are thinking about, or already are working with their spouse?
1: Oh man. It's, it's funny for us because we, we started working together before we were even dating. We were just friends. (laughs) And so we knew each other very well. We started working together at the same time, but, um, and we opened our gym before we were even married. So we did things in a weird order for sure. Um, my mom was very hesitant about the whole ordeal, but, um, ultimately we are where we are (laughs) and everything's good. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that is really helpful is that we're equally passionate about what we're doing together. And it's not like this is Jason's business and I'm the admin or vice versa, right? Like, we really are partners in this. And I think that in order to be successfully working together toward this, like, um, this kind of combined mission that we have, we have to be equally passionate about it. Um, And at least for what we're doing, I think that that has been one of the biggest things that keeps it, like, not there's no resentment like we really are both working toward the same mission and the same goal and we have different strengths in different areas that we work on and so there are things that we do separately but ultimately at the end of the day we both care a lot about where we're going and what we're trying to accomplish
0: yeah i'm like i think the biggest thing for us is we're constantly in communication about what the end goal is and not not end goal like like far off future but just like in the next year, in the next three years, like, what are some of the things that we are working towards together to reach this sort of goal? And when you're kind of your paths are aligned, I feel like everything sort of falls into place. When you don't communicate about the bigger picture or the bigger vision, you get lost in all the little fires that could be going on, all the little day to day responsibilities. You get lost and you start to you can bicker and just just get really down about the whole process. When you when you are both working together towards this uh aligned common vision and goal, everything just becomes a lot easier. And it's so much easier for us to be like, oh, this makes sense for you to do. Oh, this makes sense for me to do. And just like divvy up responsibilities, not in an egotistical way or like a like a selfish way. Just like, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. It just ends up being like a team and using teamwork to get to the ultimate goal that we're trying to get to. Yeah. And,
1: there- and we're
0: constantly just re-evaluating that on like basically a monthly basis
1: yeah that's what I was gonna say like we've gone through so many iterations with our business too so there have been times where like when we closed the gym I felt like for myself I had lost a lot of the things that I was contributing to and so there was definitely a time where we had to sit down and be and I was like I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Like, I don't feel like I'm contributing. I don't feel a part of this enough. And so we had to reevaluate and like figure out how to make sure that. And so I took over the podcast. That was like one of the ways that we could figure out how to make me feel like I was still contributing. Cause I, at the end of the day, everybody wants to feel like they're doing their part and that they're being valued and being used in the way that they should be. And so sometimes you feel a little bit off balance and it really does come down to communication, expressing how you're feeling, making sure that your partner knows what's going on with you so that you can work together because you have that. Wow.
2: That's amazing. I love so many points that you guys brought out in that. And, And it's interesting to think we did an episode at the end of last year on office ergonomics And this idea of like the perfect sitting position and desk posture and all of that and diving into the research, it really showed that those things didn't matter. Desk position, sitting, like that, that didn't matter as far as a predictor of pain or discomfort. The predictor of pain or discomfort were people that didn't feel supported on the team when people were engaged in a project that they didn't want to be in and that they didn't feel support from whoever was supposed to be their leader. So I think whether it's like, whether it's your spouse, whether you're at work, not with your spouse, it's really, are you tied into the vision? Because if you're tied into the vision, those mundane things that make the moment are worth it. You're able to sit down and plug away at things because you know where it's going to lead to. It starts to make sense of, why you're responding to this email, why you're responding to the Slack, why you're doing this, why you're doing that. But it really comes down to being tied into the vision and knowing where it's going. So if you're an employee and you're struggling, see if you can sit down with with your leader and say, what are we doing? What's the point of this? And then how can I be more supportive to the mission and to the vision? And then how can my support system help me in that? And then same thing with your spouses, like outside of work with your spouse, but as a married couple, as a family, what's what's the end goal with the family, with the vision? Like, How do you want to raise the kids? And, and having those important conversations, communication goes so far. And I have to say that I am thankful that you both decided that it made sense for both of you to come on the podcast and, and not just, just one. I'm, I'm glad that we got the full package. And let's wrap up the episode with <laughs> any advice that you may have for someone that they wanted to make that initial step into fitness. They, they wanted to start to make a change to make their life better, but they stepped into the gym, they were ridiculed, they were rejected, and now they have a bad taste of fitness in their mouth. They, they understand that fitness is gonna be helpful for their life, but because of the rejection they face, they don't want to put themselves into that again. What advice would you have for someone that has faced that to say, no, it's okay to come back into this. There's a different way to do it.
1: it that can be so hard. And there are so many, so many people who have experienced that. And if it was an environment, like the environment that you're in, step one would be to find a different environment. You don't have to go to a gym that's toxic, a place that doesn't welcome you. So step one is either find a different gym or you can start working out at home. Um, but there are with, especially with strength training, like there are a lot of barriers to it. And I think that, uh, people in the industry can forget that. And we think that, no, just go to the gym or just start doing this workout plan, just start strength training. But really like when you think about it, there's so much involved Like you were saying in the beginning, like there's breathing and there's mobility and there's power and there's strength. And how do you fit it all in? And it's so confusing. And so for a lot of people, it's easier to just go walk or just go on a bike or go on a treadmill. And there's nothing wrong with doing that as a form of exercise, but we do want to encourage people to get stronger because they are going to feel empowered and they're going to feel better and they're going to start moving better. So just understanding, I think, that you don't have to start with, going to the gym and heading to a squat rack and squatting heavyweight. You can start with bodyweight squats in your home. You can start with elevated, hands elevated pushups while you're cooking. You can start really with smaller steps to start building your way up to more comfortability in fitness in general. And then once you're ready to walk into a gym, you can start with something where you're just working with two dumbbells in a small space. And you're just going through your own workout. You're not trying to share equipment with anyone. You're kind of just keeping to yourself. And then eventually, as you're doing that, you're looking around and you're getting the feel of the gym. You're kind of understanding how people interact and how people work in with each other. And you're kind of observing as you're kind of keeping to yourself. And then you can start to start using the cable machines and figure out what's going to happen. What am I going to do if somebody (laughs) asks me if they can work in? And you just kind of get comfortable, but you don't have to put yourself right into it. I think that there's like, especially I'm seeing a lot on TikTok and on Instagram, which is great, are people being like, don't be afraid to take up space. Just put yourself out there. You belong in the gym, which is great. And that is the ultimate end goal. But I think there's a big bridge to gap to get to that point. And so I think we need to take smaller steps to get there. And it's okay to start a little bit smaller.
0: Yeah, going back to what Lauren said about environment, yeah, I think just switching the overall gym, like not all gyms are built equal and some are going to be a little bit more welcoming than others. So just kind of like taking stock of the gyms in the area, oftentimes private owned facilities with you know, one or two owners tend to be a little bit more, have more emphasis on culture and community and stuff like that. So that's a great place to start. Um, having a workout buddy can really help as well, or even virtual workout buddies. So like Facebook groups, um, Reddit communities, like there's all sorts of internet communities out there where you can kind of connect with fellow beginners and people that are a little bit newer to lifting um, that can be really helpful as well, where you just feel a little bit more support behind your your thing. And also uh, curating your feed as well. We talk about this often where if you are following accounts that are making you feel bad about yourself because they have these get ready with me routines and what I eat in a day routines, and they just are totally not in alignment with where you are in your current season of life, then maybe mute those or unfollow those and start to follow accounts that are a little bit more reasonable with their approach or just more in line with what is feasible for you And just sort of just change your environment in all these little different ways. And eventually they do add up where you start to have a little bit more of a positive outlook on your health and fitness. And that just makes such a huge difference in terms of your consistency and your sustainability.
2: For sure. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, states that environment's the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. And it's so true. What are you taking in on a daily basis on your Instagram feed, on TikTok, or you step into a gym environment? What's the immediate input that you're getting? Because that's going to create your output. So follow the accounts that are lifting you up, the accounts that are giving you practical advice, not the accounts that create more fear. And I'll gladly plug your guys' account. Follow Jason and Lauren's account on Instagram. They have so much practical advice to really simplify fitness and to help you take those first initial steps if you are fearful of it. So thank you guys. Thank you for your work and everything you're doing in the fitness industry and being these outliers that are really restoring compassion and and helping people to feel the welcomeness and and just getting back into such a beautiful thing. Thank you for taking the time to to come on today too.
1: Well, thank you so much for having us. And we love what what you all do as well. So we really appreciate you.
2: Awesome episode with Jason and Lauren Pack. Let's cover the three main takeaways. Takeaway number one, Environment creates the input that helps determine the output. If you are fearful of fitness, do the best you can to immerse yourself in the content that makes you feel safe and excited to make those first few steps towards a sustainable and active lifestyle. Key takeaway number two, for the professionals, if wanting to post to social media, provide value and let the patterns shown by your audience play a role in determining what content to create and then post key takeaway number three. Open communication and being aligned with the vision is the recipe for success in any working relationship. Habbers, thank you for listening and watching. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you know anyone that has been scared away from fitness, please share this episode with them to help them start making steps towards an active lifestyle. Thank you for sharing, rating, reviewing, commenting, and all that you do to allow our episodes to reach more and more people. All right, we'll talk to you soon.